Well, good morning, saints. Morning, sinners. We got a packed house. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 16. This morning, though, the letter, this is a letter of Paul, uh, from Paul, supposedly, and that it is attributed to him, and it is thought that it was uh, attributed to a church in Ephesus, but this really is uh, thought to be an encyclical, that is, a letter that was sent to a lot of different churches around Ephesus, and Ephesus is not the only one it's being addressed to. Um, Ephesians was passed around to several different churches, and as we hear today's text, I want you, I want you to hear three things. Hear, listen out for three things. First, note how the author is setting the bar for the community, for the Christian community. Note the bar the author is setting for the Christian community. Secondly, I want us to listen out for the gifts that are described given to the community. And then third, what I'd like us to do is to see why those gifts are given in the first place. And Paul covers all of this in the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4. Sisters and brothers, listen to the word of the Lord. I, Paul, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And you just want to kind of add on our own, don't we? Amen. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it said, when he ascended on high and he made captivity itself a captive, he gave gifts to his people. And then sliding down here to verse 11, the gifts Jesus gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the full measure, the stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about every kind of wind of doctrine by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. No, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. 
for whom the whole body joined, knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Now, did you hear the bar that Paul raised? He's urging us to lead a life that is worthy of the high calling to which you and I have been called. This Lord's Supper is a reminder of the price of that high calling that Jesus had for you and for me. And Paul is raising the bar and saying, okay, sister, brother, church, here's the bar. Live into it. Did you hear the gifts that he has mentioned that is given to the community, to you, the church? Some are apostles, and apostles are the sent ones to places to share the gospel where it hasn't been sent or, um, shared before. Some are prophets, that is, those women or men who not only see into the future and implications of the future, but also see into the very present the injustices that are going on right now now and call the church out on that some are evangelists it's one of the few places this word evangelist is used in the new testament that it's those who are able to share the winsome story of jesus and what jesus has done in their life some are called to be pastors and in the word that paul actually uses is the word shepherd some are called to be shepherds of the community, the flock of the faithful within the church, to nurture them, to look out for them, to keep them safe, to keep them bounded. And finally, Paul says there are those who are called to be teachers, who are able to unpack the Scriptures, who are able to unpack the faith and the deep theology and help us incorporate all that we experience and learn and know into a spiritual life meaningful to God. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, each and every church that God has established have these gifts in it. Do you share any of these gifts? Finally, now, did you hear the reason why these gifts were given? Did you hear the reason why the gifts were given to members of the community? Gifts are given in order to what? Equip the saints so as to help us grow up and practice our faith so that the whole community, the whole body of Christ, moves in rhythm and beauty and synchronicity with one another. It's when the body of Christ moves and it's obviously we got some soul. And Paul is referring to saints. He is not referring to those great um, spiritual giants the Catholic Church is talking about and point to like St. Augustine or uh, St. Francis or St. Bridget or St. Teresa. Paul is referring to the likes of ordinary women and men like you and me. People who have said yes to Christ. Who are set apart. That's all a saint means. 
Holy means to be set apart. You are a saint. You are a saint. Think about that. You see, saints are people who have said no to culture, but yes to God. Saints are people who have said no to trying to live their life under their own and have said yes to living a life that is spiritually driven through community, transforming the world. Saints are women and men who say, no, I'm not going to look at the world as hopeless, but who stand and declare with Easter eyes that God loves this place, loves these people, and by goodness, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension is God's yes to humanity, to the created. Saints are people who say no to looking at people and our world's resources as commodities to be used up and instead say yes the seeking to love others in the community and beyond in ways that show that we have been given grace to share. The deal is this, though, brothers and sisters. We live in a world that's hell-bent on keeping us living in a no-oriented world. We live in a world that tries to shout out, that screams this cacophonous noise of these virtues of loneliness and hatred and bigotry and greed. So how do we hear the yes of God? We have to equip ourselves. My former church, we had a mission uh, ministry where we worked with this group that worked with transitional housing. And so when someone would come in off the street, literally, they would be placed, a family would be placed in a a new, fully furnished apartment. And the family would be given resources on job training, interviewing, budget, the whole nine yards. And the family, they usually stayed there from six to 12 months. And when they were done, they moved out on their own, but they got to take everything with them. Beds, refrigerator, coffee cups, everything with them. And our church's job was to go back and restock that apartment completely. From refrigerators, beds, pillows, cups, saucers, dining ware, sofa, pillows, toasters. We had to equip the apartment to get it fully ready for the next family to come. That is what the biblical word equipped means. It means to become fully prepared, fully stocked, ready to take it all on. Equipping means to consciously strive to do what it takes to be set apart or holy ones of Christ. It does not mean you're more special than anybody just because you're a holy one or a saint. It just means that you intentionally are striving to live a life that looks like Jesus. Now, if I were to hit a pause button right here, and I am, 
I want us to pause and reflect. I want you to ask yourself, how spiritually equipped am I to live a counter-cultural life in a culturally driven world that promotes self-interest instead of loving neighbor, that promotes power over humility? How well equipped are you, am I, are we as a church? I love what Eugene Peterson, a pastor in the Presbyterian Church and uh, the writer of the paraphrase, The Message, the way he captures verses 14 and 16 in our text this morning. He's talking about spiritual maturity. And in that context, he says, No prolonged spiritual infancies among us, please. He says, we'll not tolerate spiritual babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. Paul is adjuring his church, my beloved. Be wholly dissatisfied where you are in your faith right now. Grow it, stretch it. Practice it. Become fully equipped. Get your spiritual apartment or house totally ready. You see, my beloved, God is so much bigger and larger than any tiny box we've placed Him in, and yet He is so much more simple than we've made Him to be. And the only way you and I can discover that, we as a church can discover that, is if we grow up. We grow up spiritually, missionally, financially, evangelistically, biblically. Paul is saying, First Presbyterian, can't be, can't be childs, ch- children at the breast anymore. Grow up. It means reading the Bible. It means gathering in small groups and learning from one another what the Scripture is saying, even maybe with people you don't even like. It means challenging our old assumptions about God and what and who God likes and who God doesn't like. It means taking time to understand different Christian perspectives and seek to understand why that person believes the way he or she does. Brothers and sisters, it means to embark on a path, a spiritual formation, where we take what we learn and then we put it into practice with others in community through acts of love and service in the world. Do you remember that old theme song from Toys R Us? Now, I remember if, if you if you're my age, you had children, you went to Toys R Us. It was it was it was something you did as punishment. Honey, you're going to take the kids to Toys R Us. What did I do, honey? I'm sorry. You know, it was Toys R Us. It, it was just this 
But the theme song to Toys R Us was, I don't want to grow up, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Remember that? Don't want to grow up, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Well, never mind Toys R Us is bankrupt and out of business today. (laughs) But, their, st- their song is still applicable for us right now as we look at our spiritual life and walk with God in Christ. Sisters and brothers, do you want to grow up? Or do you want to be a spiritual Toys R Us kid? What concrete steps, brothers and sisters, can you and I, can we as community take to grow up in our Christ followership that enhances the gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher among us? This morning, we have communion. And as you come to the table this morning, you need to know that this is the Lord's table. It's not the Presbyterian table. And any and all who profess Jesus, this meal is for you. But as you come forward this morning, I would ask that the Holy Spirit would niggle you. Kind of make you do one of these. To reveal those places you are spiritually weak and flabby and that we together need to pay attention to and get in shape together with. May the Holy Spirit reveal to each of us where we are, where we need to grow up in our faith. In our one love and our one baptism, and our one hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, as you come to the table, we'll be serving down the center aisle. And we're asking that those of you who are in the back, if you would begin first coming down, and then receive the sacrament, and return to your seat on the outside, And just a reminder, you're going to be given a piece of bread or you'll take a piece of bread and you'll just dip it into the juice lightly. Try not to go plunking fingers or put it in your mouth, take it out and go, oops. (laughs) You do it. Break, dip, eat, sit. This is the body of Christ broken for all of us. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we gather this morning, we give you thanks and praise for this incredible meal. We just ask, O oh Lord, that um, you would separate these elements of bread and unfermented wine, that in ways we cannot humanly comprehend, lift us into the very spiritual 
presence of Jesus, the presence, the physical presence of Jesus, and all the saints who have gone before, and all the saints who are to come, and all those people who stand on our shoulders and would look at us and say, thank you, as the whole communion of the church comes together. Holy Spirit, feed us by your loving, tender hands. Show us where to grow. Paint us a future for what and who we are to become. We ask this in Jesus' precious, precious name. And all of God's people said, Amen. I invite the elders to please come forward. Now, one of the things I shared with the other service, and we had somebody whose mother died about a month ago, is that we remember the power of this meal. We dine with the communion of the saints. So remember, beloved, if you have recently lost somebody in death, a child, a parent, spouse, As you break the bread and drink from the cup today, you break bread with the beloved of God and your family right with them. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and he said, My beloved, this is my body which is given to you. Take and eat. And in a similar way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, Beloved, this cup is my blood. And it's a sign and a seal and a promise that God has a new way of dealing and relating with you. It's through me. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And all of God's people said,